0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Silicon Street, a podcast on private investing, technology and entrepreneurship. If you haven't already, join the rest of our listeners by following us on LinkedIn, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out a ton, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode with two amazing entrepreneurs. Today, we are thrilled to be recording this podcast with two guests, Aiden Sayel and Brandon Wimbush, the co-founders of Mogul. Mogul is designed to connect college athletes with businesses so they can efficiently and safely monetize their name, image, and likeness, which is a direct response to the NCAA's changing policies on NIL. Before starting Mogul, both Aiden and Brandon attended the University of Notre Dame. Aiden then worked as a wealth management analyst at Morgan Stanley, and Brandon, in addition to being a quarterback for Notre Dame football, worked on branding with another Notre Dame alum founded startup, Resonado. We are super excited to chat about Mogul, the college athletics landscape, and both these amazing founders journeys. So, Aiden and Brandon, welcome to the show. We're super excited to have you guys.
1: Alex, Connor, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you and showcase what we've built.
0: Awesome. So, Thanks, you know, we haven't ever done an episode with two people, so you guys are kind of our maiden voyage there, and we'll see how Connor and I do. Uh, but Brandon, why don't we start out with you? Could you just tell, tell everybody a little bit more about yourself, how you ended up at Notre Dame, uh, and then how you got involved with entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship and startups generally?
2: Yeah. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Um, So a little bit about myself. I think you guys have gotten into it with Aiden, but we're both originally from northern parts of New Jersey. Um, Really passionate about New Jersey. If you meet anybody from there, uh, you'll you'll get that same (laughs) understanding. Uh, Passionate about the food, passionate about the people. Um, Played at a Jesuit school there. Uh, very competitive academically, athletically, and then obviously went on to play at Notre Dame and played quarterback there between 15 and 19. Um, just you know, understanding that I wanted more for myself um, in life, right? And I thought that would present me the best opportunity. And that's cliche, but it's it stayed the same theory ever since I made the commitment. Um, I graduated with my accountancy degree. Uh, I, I chose a difficult route. I think in life um, you need to choose a difficult route. Uh, to, to live a fulfilled life. And um, that's why I did that. Uh, I spent a couple summers doing some internships for the likes of Excel, doing some venture capital uh, stuff. And that's really how I got into VC entrepreneurship and a startup uh, ecosystem. And obviously the, the Notre Dame network uh, is growing on the VC side. So I was able to be a part of that at the early at the early onsets. Um, and then, professionally, linked up with a good friend and a, you know, part of the Dame network in Aiden, uh, who um, uh, was a, is a psychic, I guess you can call him, in terms of you know seeing this nil thing come to fruition before it did, you know, years in advance. And uh, maybe it's just because it, it was birthed out of boredom uh, in his finance gig. <laughs> Right. Whatever it was, whatever it was, it gave me an opportunity to, you know, help out a demographic I'm really passionate about, which is college athletics. So uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity and, and thanks, guys, for, for having us.
0: Yeah. No, perfect, Brandon. That's awesome. And, and I think the uh, the the desire to get more out of life than just one thing or just athletics or just just academics is, is a, definitely a common theme, about from Notre Dame students. So that's perfect. Um, so Aiden, why don't we then jump to you and why don't you give a similar intro for yourself um, and then maybe even some more insight to how kind of you and Brandon uh, met and I guess your history there.
1: Absolutely. Um, Connor, Alex, thanks again for the time today. Really looking forward to it. Uh, my background, so I graduated from Notre Dame in 2017. I went to Seton Hall Prep, which is a high school rival of Brandon's high school. He went to St. Peters Prep in New Jersey. Um, So I graduated from Notre Dame in 2017. After I graduated, I worked at Morgan Stanley um, in their Wealth Management Rotational Analyst Program, and then went on to work in private equity at Lexington Partners prior to um, taking a corporate strategy role at a company called IHS Market. Um, While I was at Lexington in October of 2019, the California governor, Gavin Newsom, put protocols in place that would allow California athletes the ability to monetize their name, image, and likeness starting in 2023. And really just recognized the need that athletes would have um, for a marketplace that allowed them the ability to connect to these deals and these opportunities in a safe, secure, and compliant way. Um, so initially wrote the business plan for what is now Mogul in October of 2019. Um, that core business plan, right, a two-sided marketplace connecting businesses and brands to athletes really hasn't changed too much. Um, the landscape has evolved drastically, and we've been able to add features and functionality to the platform that, you know, we perhaps never even really anticipated needing. Um, but, you know, for, throughout the first six months to a year there um, was really just meeting with as many startup founders, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs. Um, marketers, agencies that would take my call, um, one of which being Brandon. So Brandon and I know each other from high school, um, as I mentioned, and then got to know each other much better while at Notre Dame. Um, a name that you guys might be familiar with is Joe Schmidt. He's currently um, at Andreessen Horowitz, but at that time um, was working in, a, I believe at Excel. Um, so Joe recommended that Brandon and I reconnect, brought the idea to Brandon for, you know two-sided marketplace, and really was more curious about what features and functionality he would need as an athlete, like what athletes would need in a service like this. Um, but Brandon was, you know, at the time, and Brandon can tell that story, but um, at the time, he was pursuing NFL opportunities um, and really, jumped at the idea to get involved here at a form, from a formal perspective. And he offers such an incredible differentiation factor for us here at Mogul and the ability to empathize with that collegiate experience.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And, and before we jump into, you know, talking about those challenges that, you know, an athlete might experience in the business plan, could you go a little bit more in depth on, uh, just for people who might not be familiar with the NIL stuff, what exactly was the change that kind of allowed this whole landscape to develop? And obviously there's tons of companies, businesses, um, tons of people trying to attack this idea. So what what was like the fundamental change that has kind of led to this revolution?
1: Yeah, so um, over the past, you know, over 10 years, really, um, there have been numerous dominoes to fall that would, that eventually resulted in the NCAA voicing support for what's called name, image, and likeness rule changes. So starting on July 1st of 2021, college athletes began able to monetize their name, image, and likeness. What that means is effectively their publicity rights, the platform that they've built throughout their professional and athletic careers, they can now monetized via social media campaigns, appearances, autograph signings, athletes can now source sponsorship opportunities and endorsement opportunities. They're still not getting paid by universities, um, at least above board. Um, And there's still, um, you know, there's no direct pay for play at an institutional level. But what this new landscape allows for is for college athletes to really, monetize their brand when in 99% of cases, it's at its absolute peak. Um, There are numerous other players in this space. Um, The way that we're tackling this is from a marketplace perspective. So Mm -hmm. we've created the marketplace that allows athletes to source the deals. We have compliance and educational offerings as well available to athletes and partners on the platform. Um, And then there are a number of other players focusing on brand building, compliance, uh, tax contract review. There's other marketplaces as well. Um, but one of the things that really differentiates us in the space is that we got started three, three and a half years ago. Yeah. Uh, and really validated the use case, conducted tons of focus groups and have a fully functional tech platform that continues to be a major competitive advantage for us.
3: Totally. Yeah. No, that, that's super helpful for background on kind of what the rule changes were. Um, Brandon, just to bring you back into this, you know, as a previous college athlete, um, could you maybe talk about some of the challenges that you guys are trying to um, help college athletes with as they kind of navigate this evolving landscape and they now have this opportunity to, you know, capitalize on their, their name, image, and likeness?
2: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think that's the purpose. That was my purpose of getting into this space was to alleviate some of those pain, those pain points for these athletes um and just understanding like you know the average average day for one of these athletes and so my vision was like how can we um have an athlete go from point a and an endorsement opportunity all the way to point z within like 24 to 48 hours right so Mm -hmm. obviously our process is a little long right now but everything that we're doing from a development standpoint from um you know, an acquisition standpoint is to really dwindle that process now for the athlete so they can go through um, finding a sponsorship opportunity, uh, being educated on a sponsorship opportunity, seeing a contract, and then also obviously fulfilling payment all again within 48 hours. So um, I think to answer your question, number one is education, um, mm-hmm. to democratize access to education. So we've done a lot, a lot, and continue to do a lot on the athlete education side. Um, and that's not just for athletes, that's for the, the brands that are entering into the space. That's for the universities, that's for the parents, you know, who are representing their their, their family members or um, you know the agents as well. I think everyone needs that's for us, right? Like this space is, is ever evolving. So education continues to evolve as well. So um, educating the athletes on the on their platforms that they built. And then providing them with more resources to continue to build that platform so then, as a result, they can become more marketable to the brands that, you know, are are doing these sponsorships. I think those are some of the, you know, the the key focuses of ours as far as the athletes go.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I know you guys, uh, obviously, lots of challenges to tackle. And you mentioned how you're trying to build this marketplace. Could you maybe just talk a little bit about either one of you? about what the platform actually looks like. If say you're a college athlete coming onto it, like what does that experience actually look
2: like? Yeah, so um, it's pretty pretty simple and seamless for the athletes. Um, It's like um, our best analogy is that it's a LinkedIn for athletes as they source job or sponsorship opportunities. So they sign up, they create their personal profile, make it inclusive of all their accolades. So it's, again, personable and marketable. Uh, So the brands are able to see, hey, Brandon Wimbush is from Jersey. You know, he loves bagels. He loves New Jersey. Um, He's a Gatorade player, state player of the year. He, uh, you know, played quarterback, had this many touchdowns, whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, He's interested in venture capital. Sounds like a great partner for for this campaign. Like We want to work with him. So as personable and as marketable as the athlete can make their profile, it obviously goes a longer way for them. So that's step one. Um, once that's created, then you have access to all of these different job and marketing opportunities and, and deals. Um, our platform is completely free for the athlete. Again, guys, like this was our way of making an athlete-friendly product. So our business model, you know, is is elsewhere. So it's completely free for the athlete, and uh, they're able to source jobs and be hired for, for specific campaigns right there on the platform. And then obviously fulfill payment, um, on the platform as well. And then finally, um, kind of went out of order, but our compliance disclosure process, which is really key in this space, right? Just giving compliance insight into what their athletes are doing, um, has gone a long way for us in terms of a competitive advantage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a perfect, uh, story to, to illustrate that Brandon, So, you know, this is actually a a pretty common question that we ask everyone that we speak with who's building a marketplace, like a two-sided marketplace. How did you guys go about or approach building out uh, both the athlete side and then the business partner side? Um, And and who did you focus on first and how did you kind of pitch the value to the one before the other one really
1: got there? Yeah, um, it's the chicken or the egg problem, right? Um, yeah. At the end of the day, you, you really can't have your supply. In this case, the athletes outweigh the demand or you know, basically you won't be able to attract the supply without any demand, right? So it's definitely been something that we've had to figure out over the past three years. Luckily, to a certain degree, prior to NIL going into effect, we had a landing page. Basically, the purpose of that landing page was to educate on the upcoming changes in legislation and how a platform such as ours would be able to help athletes. So we were able to source signups from athletes really early on prior to even providing them value, but we got contact information from them. And that's proven to be really valuable for us because from the get-go on July 1st, we were able to go out and say, hey, we've got 500 athletes to businesses and brands and start recruiting them. Um, We take a much more proactive approach in regards to business acquisition, just because they're the ones paying for the service and they're the ones who ultimately um, need to derive value from uh, working with our influencers. So we have an in-market sales team um, or we have in-house sales team strategically located in markets such as Columbus, Ohio, Austin, Texas, Orlando, Florida, and Raleigh, North Carolina. And their primary role is just to bring additional businesses and brands to the platform. And then on the athlete side, Brandon, as our chief athletic officer here, is really focused on athlete acquisition. So he does a lot of that himself. We also get a good amount of organic signups because as we do more deals and as those gain press, athletes become more aware of the service. It's completely free for them to sign up. So it's really a no-brainer. And then secondarily, we have a campus ambassador um, network program as well on both sides of the coin um, to help us to continue to acquire um, businesses and brands at scale. But yeah, I mean, it's it's to answer your question, it's honestly a problem that doesn't necessarily go away. We've always tried to keep the ratio between three to one and five to one supply to demand. So that's number mm-hmm. of businesses. Um, it's number of athletes versus number of businesses. And we think that as long as it's somewhere in that range we're providing a healthy number of opportunities for athletes Um, and we've been able to do that but it definitely is like kind of a reactive thing at times right sometimes you get a deal posted you got to go source the athletes for it that's just how it is
0: right that's interesting that's perfect um and and so so Brandon as the as the chief athletic officer as a CAO uh, how is how has the response been from athletes when you go to them with this kind of presentation, this pitch, and this this value prop, and then other are, are there regulations from the NCAA about how you can approach them, about how you can talk about this, or, or is that pretty much just kind of a wild wild west for now until they they put some more stuff in place? Yeah, uh,
2: no, you know the one the one um, no, there's not really you know there was supposed to be more regulation. Obviously surrounding this, I think everybody would have wanted that and everybody's still kind of you know waiting for that in some way or form from either the NCAA or, or Congress or you know, something like that. But heading into July 1, like it was very clear within all of the state, you know, proposals that um, you know, if you're being compensated by a university, right? Like let's say we were offering our service to the university and we and they were paying us fifty thousand dollars a year. We would obviously acquire all of their athletes right like if you had a thousand athletes you would get all a thousand so that's an easy acquisition strategy right right like, let's go sell our service to the university let's get paid by them but again what i was getting to is that all the bills said you know if you're being compensated by university then you can't offer a marketplace to the athlete individually right it's just a conflict of interest so obviously, with our marketplace, we were more concerned with empowering the athletes. And um, so we shifted our model is what I'm trying to say. So we go directly to the athlete. um, And so we acquire one by one, it's a more, you know, rigorous strategy. uh, But I think we've been able to do a pretty good job, given the circumstances. And they're all very receptive to the idea. Myself, there's an inevitable trust factor, Alex. That right. I just having played quarterback, it speaks volumes. It goes a long way in, in terms of just okay. There's somebody that's been in my shoes. You know, we can we can trust them a little bit more, um, and they have full reign over you know essentially their own name, image, and likeness on our platform. Right? They can go out and source their own deals, connect with the certain brands they want to connect with. So it gives them full empowerment. So. Um, no, athletes have been great, very receptive. Ask me tons of questions, maybe too many at sometimes, but I, I love, it. I love it. And you know, I understand that we're we're talking about eighteen to twenty-two year olds, and again, I was yeah. just one of those, so I would also have questions, especially six months into a new landscape.
0: Yeah, no, certainly it's definitely a, a, a very involved kind of selling process from that side Going D to go in D2A. Never heard of that before, but it sounds kind of cool.
2: Yeah, 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 um, yeah right.
0: <laughs> a, I like that. Yeah. Um, so then last question on kind of the operations, right? Or about how, how the mobile platform works. So, uh, you know, and I think you mentioned um, you, you'll have this three to one or five to one ratio of athletes to businesses and you'll find a business that comes on You try and you're trying to go find an athlete that, that fits what they want you know from the athlete side if you have an athlete that comes on and you don't have a business ready for them right away do you try and kind of influence their connection to the business and kind of give them that first that first connection or is it on them to to reach out to find somewhere and go Uh, or or, you know what's mogul's involvement i guess uh, in that first step of of getting that introduction
1: yeah so at its core right the platform's really built to allow an athlete to effectively act as their own agent right so we're kind of expecting athletes to source the opportunities themselves. Basically there's tons of jobs listed there. They can scroll through and filter through them and apply to those that sound appealing or interesting to them. Um, Upon application and upon eventual um, granted access, they will have an initial consultation with Brandon or another member of of our team, just to get an understanding of what they're looking to accomplish, learn more about them, obviously start to establish a relationship with them as well. Um, We do offer some initial job posts on behalf of Mogul, right? Like, hey, promote that you've joined Mogul on your Instagram um, in exchange for some compensation, and that helps to get them activated as soon as possible. But really, at the end of the day, name, image, and likeness in general as a landscape will always um, more it'll benefit those that are more proactive and those that um, effectively care more about this, right? So our platform is no different. It allows athletes to um, really manage their own NIL. We also have a ton of resources though on the platform around education and brand building and things like that to help um, initially get an athlete started.
3: Awesome. yeah, um, That's fantastic background and kind of, you know, what it looks like from an athlete perspective over the past few questions. Um, Just to circle back, you know, we kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but obviously people are tackling this new landscape from very different angles. Uh, You know, it's a very robust, competitive landscape. Um, Could you maybe talk about what uh, some of the exciting things are that, uh, you know, the industry is working on as a whole? I know, um, like some people are kind of partnering with athletic offices to do things, whereas you guys are partnering with athletes. Like what, what could you give us, just give us a better picture of what the whole landscape looks like?
1: Yeah, so the landscape's ever-evolving. It's definitely murky, I would say. Um, A lot of what has gone on within the landscape stretches the limit of what we would deem as permissible or not. Um, So that's been some of the things that we've observed at this point. But yeah, I mean, some, some new things that are making headlines recently is like collectives, for example. So basically, individual universities are starting to build collectives amongst their alumni, donors, business owners in the area, boosters, Um, and what these collectives are doing effectively is they're allocating funds directly to name, image, and likeness activities where they maybe previously would have donated directly to the athletic department. Um, (sighs) What this allows, you know, boosters and other um, parties to do is just allocate capital towards student-athlete empowerment, which we think is great. Um, so one of the ways in which we're kind of thinking about this is, all right, all of these collectives are popping up, but they don't necessarily have access to the athletes and they're probably going to do some things that may not be fully compliant with universities. So how can we help collectives to, um, navigate this in the right way? Secondarily, some things that have popped up, um, recently, these local exchanges, which are affiliated with universities. And this is an area where we're kind of confused candidly. Um, universities historically have not been able to assist or broker in these services. That's been one of the more explicit clauses in every state law and in a lot of university policies as well. But we've seen the advent of some competitors in our space starting to build local exchanges for universities. some Michigan State today just popped up. Um, they're building a local exchange. So. We're still evaluating whether that's something we wanna pursue um, or if it's in our best interest. The thing that we really do believe in and and something that's been our North Star since day one is that we were built for the empowerment of athletes and we provide services and functionality that makes life easier on universities and athletic departments. But by partnering with universities in a way you're not partnering with the athletes. Right. And we were built as a free free market for athletes.
3: Uh, Totally. I love the mission of just, you know, the North star being empowering the athletes and, you know, kind of, uh, going off of that, obviously you're trying to scale and empower as many athletes as you can. Uh, we saw that you guys are going to compete in the, the South by Southwest, uh, pitch startup event. Um, so I'm just curious if you could provide us with, uh, you know, some info on what you guys are trying to, you know, do going forward? What does the business plan look like? You know, where, where would you guys love to be, you know, five years from now?
1: Yeah, um, so the purpose of South by Southwest, you know, at its core, one of the things that we're most excited about with that opportunity is just to build awareness for everything that we've done, right? We've done a lot of Um, Business development trips to numerous campuses, University of Texas included, Notre Dame um, was on the list as well, University of Michigan too. So we're constantly in this effort to build awareness, right? At the end of the day, Austin is a major metropolitan city that also has a major athletic program in it. So Southwest Southwest will give us the ability to basically showcase the platform and get more businesses and more brands on it as a result. Um, But, you know, five year plan, the thing that we're really focused on doing is providing opportunities for all athletes. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, we gotta get all the athletes, right? Or at least get a really good um, share of that pie. And we're consistently figuring out different ways to do that, Um, but at its core, the best way that we're gonna be able to do that is to provide value for them. Well, how do we provide value for them? We bring more deals to the platform. going back to the chicken or the egg problem, right? Um, But so in five years, right, we really hope to have a good chunk of this market. We hope to be in a regulated industry where our compliance solution is a major value add and helps to make life easier for the universities. We hope to be, you know, fully technologically capable from a mobile app perspective and things like that, um, just to ensure that all the parties on our platform are getting the best experience. But then. One of the really exciting things about this as well is that from a technological perspective, it's right now a name image and likeness marketplace, but this could be expanded to other micro influencers, right? Like if there's an incredible musician at Notre Dame I and mean, he wants to book gigs at you know local bars and restaurants, well we already have the technology for that. So that's probably you know something that we'll consider, but first, we have to tackle our core competency.
0: right. Awesome. And, and so, and so Aiden or Brandon, whoever wants to take this, I guess uh, last question before we talk a little bit about maybe some Notre Dame football and Freeman. Um, when you guys initially started, uh, what was the process of, of actually fundraising of getting the initial funds? Uh, were you guys bootstrapped? Were you you an venture studio? Those kind of things. I mean, could you just give everyone some insight into that process of uh, trying to find money to start a business in the early days, um, especially as, as pretty young people, um, who, are, who are relatively new to the entrepreneurship stage. How, is that, how has that been for
2: you guys? Um, I think that was, for me, it was very fun. I think Hayden and I really enjoyed the two months that we were just grinding on, on fundraising. But initially, guys, like we we had bootstrapped it, right? We would gotten our MVP um, with our own with our own you know, funds and, and capital and a lot of that, Aiden, uh, given his, his work experience, um, and where I was in my life. So, um, you know, we were able to get a product up and running and, and obviously allowed us to, to, uh, go to investors or prospective investors and, and people and pitch the, the idea with a physical product, which I think really went a long way for us. And then, um, you know for us it was, it was the difficult part was selling an idea uh, on um, you know it was always when is Nil when is naming language like actually to become a thing right? right so it was like who who's your target market who are you be able to serve if you have this product and there's no law that allows you to to operate right like this is our premise this was the premise of our of our business was like waiting for this law to to be enacted so uh, you know once, once Mark Emmert gave the head nod on, on July 1 being the date, there's tons and tons of, of flooded interest into our uh, our pre-seed round, um, which you know really came about through the Notre Dame Network. Uh, we entered into a venture studio that's ran by Tim Connors, who's a uh, was a mentor of mine and I'm sure you guys are familiar with. He's a former partner at Sequoia, and then his business partner, Jeremy Burton, is a serial entrepreneur and marketplace you know veterans so they headed up this venture studio got us in you know we were a little bit further along Uh, they have this this structure of like entering at stage one two or three or four we were entering into the studio at stage three further along incorporated and all that jazz Um, so they were going to help us you know get off the ground they provided the structure around the fundraise obviously has have a vast network of of investors um, amongst those two individuals so Uh, From that standpoint, we were solid, right? So if Tim Connors is back in something, as you guys might know, then the rest of Silicon Valley is going to back him or back it. Um, So that was really great. And and Aiden has some experience. I don't know if he has anything to add. He has some experience on the fundraising side before. I hadn't. So very new experience for me and an opportunity to grow and learn for the next round, uh, especially as we head into South by Southwest.
0: Yeah, and, and if you don't have anything else to add there, I mean, how much are you guys looking to, I don't know if you have, have any projections or numbers, but in terms of the South by Southwest and connections from there, are you guys preparing for another round or looking to raise more?
1: Yeah, so it's a little too early to call. Um, we still have a lot of burn rate left from our pre-seed round. Um, as Brendan mentioned, right, we were quite oversubscribed in that. Um, one of the interesting things about South by Southwest is that they actually don't Allow you to have an investment ask on your deck; it's not part of their process. So we didn't need to like open up a round or anything like that, or at least come up with any valuation in advance of that. That being said, we recognize that there's going to be a ton of momentum coming out of this experience, and that you know, if all goes well up on stage, you know, we'll come home with a victory there, and that will help us as well. Um, so we we are in preliminary conversations with our current investors on um if and when that next round will come there's already been a lot of um you know re-interest i guess you will um in that so we're excited but um you know stay tuned on that note
3: yeah no that's awesome uh obviously good luck with that i'm sure it's stressful preparing for all that stuff but um that wraps up the the main questions that we have i think we, it'd be cool before we jump into the rapid fire questions that we usually ask um what, what are our thoughts on the the freeman hire Do we have any have any thoughts because uh, obviously there's been a lot of changes with narrative and football in the past you know few months
2: yeah my initial thoughts guys yeah, is is, is excitement uh, i think that's the general consensus around the, the program um aiden and i are stoked um uh, I think you guys saw the video of the team and how they reacted to, you know, him coming into the locker room and being fired yeah. up. So um, I think every I think they're in good hands. And, and Tommy Reese at the helm calling the offense, um, you know, the, the new Kansas city chiefs is, is what I call it. The way that they're throwing <laughs> the ball and letting the quarterback kind of direct the game. I think, I think it's going to be a, a fun, uh, fun operation to watch over the next couple of years. Yeah, totally.
3: Yeah, I was watching the uh, the press conference from Duncan Student Center and everyone was was cheering when they brought him up to announce it so I, I definitely awesome. think uh, there's definitely a lot of excitement among the students and the athletes so it's, it's an exciting time. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll finish up with the rapid fire questions that we we ask everybody they're more fun like questions. Um I think what we'll do is maybe just go back and forth uh, between the two of you. So maybe we'll start with Brandon and then switch to you, Aiden, for the, uh, the second one. Um, but the first one is, uh, Brandon, are there any books that you're reading right now or any books that you recommend for for people out there?
2: Yeah, great question. <laughs> uh, Deep Work, uh, Rules for Success in a Distracted, in a Distracted World uh, by Cal Newport. Um, really great work so far. I'm only like 75 pages in. It's actually requested by Notre Dame Mendoza Book Club. So I think that one and then eat, move, sleep is just how to maintain a healthy uh, stability in your life by, you know, more so of of avoiding inactivity over a long period of time, rather than always having to feel like you have to get in shape. But again, avoiding inactivity is more important and, and, you know, making strides on the daily on a daily basis in terms of your eating habits in terms of your sleeping habits and how much those can impact your life and and your longevity of living. So those are my two, you know, things I'm high on right now from a, from a reader standpoint.
3: Yeah. That's awesome. I'll have to check out the Mendoza book club. I'm sure they've got a bunch of good recommendations out there.
2: They Um, just launched. So
3: that was the first book. Oh, very cool. All right. Well, I'll I'll have to keep an eye out for it. Um, All right. So for the second one, Aiden, um, are there any skills that you're trying to develop right now or any areas of life that you're just trying to learn more about?
1: That's a great question. Um, name, image, and likeness probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> trying um, to build your brand? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? That actually is a great answer. Um, I could definitely do a lot better on the content and brand building side of things. Um, you know, founders as a brand type thing, mm-hmm. um, i have to start by getting a better mic, I think. Um, but no, I think I, the, one of the things that's been most enjoyable and exciting from, from a l- learning perspective about running a company is just waking up every day and trying to inspire and align a team of you know what's now 11 people and 40 with all of our interns, right? Um, it's no easy task coming every day with the same motivation and the same momentum, um, and motivating the rest of the team to do the same. So I think just figuring out the balance there with regards to like understanding that, you know, not everyone on the team is a co-founder and things like that. And there are some, you know, there's some gaps there with regards to just overall, um, what you can and can't expect from people. Um, that's been definitely a great learning experience for
3: me. Awesome. All right. So the third question we have uh, for Brandon, uh, what's like the most important lesson that you've learned so far over your journey, starting, uh, this business.
2: Um, that's a great question as well. Um, And I, I, you know, Aiden, what Aiden just said pops into my head is that not everybody's a co-founder, not everybody's going to have the same passion and injection of energy into your company as you will, as a, as as a co-founder. So, um, understanding that, understanding expectations, and then, um, I'm going to get hooked on this, this thing called radical candor. I'm starting to like read into it, but like how to have difficult conversations and yeah. Um, so I, I think I think those, those are some of the things that I'm learning over time. Um, and it's just learning about myself, like what type of worker I am. I've never worked before. So this is my first go around at all that.
3: Totally. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. The, the fourth one we have here for Aiden, uh, if you could work in any other industry or on any other kind of, you know, topic, what what would you choose and a little bit about why?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I guess I can kind of eliminate a few of the ones that I've already done. Um, <laughs> so I would love to be able to work if it weren't for Mogul to work in like travel or like blogging or something. Um, just because like I'm a big foodie and I get super excited about like exploring new places that aren't like, oh, like let me go to Greece. But like I get excited if I'm going to some random town in New Jersey and just like, Experiencing that and like finding the, the good restaurant there, um, so I think it could be really cool. I mean, obviously it exists at you know nauseum, but it could be really cool to run a company that helps travelers to identify exactly where they should go in specific areas based on a profile that they set up. Um, that could be kind of cool, like an AI-driven um, mm-hmm. travel booking agency.
3: Yeah, no, that, that would be very cool. And that is honestly a perfect transition to the last one we always ask. Um, which is now that hopefully the pandemic is slowing down a little bit, uh, where would you guys love to travel to next? So maybe I'll start
2: with Brandon and then I'll go back to I want to go to London. I wanna live in London.
3: That would be cool.
2: Awesome. Uh-huh. I wanna I wanna live there. So that's the goal. I'm going for spring break. So <laughs> should be nice. Fun. I've never been, so maybe I don't know if I'll say I want to live there. I do want to travel, see it, and then make that decision. That
0: uh, <laughs> would be pretty gloomy, as I'll say. A lot of rain there. I feel like South, South Bend isn't the best, but if <laughs> I've been to London once, and it was raining the whole time, so I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Can't be worse than South Bend.
1: What about you, Aiden? My number one that I still haven't gone to is Thailand. Um, I think that there's such great – variety in terms of what you can get there, right? Like jungle hiking, some of the best beaches in the world, and then a major city like Bangkok to, you know, party and have a good time. And, um, plus Thai food is probably my favorite food. So,
2: if they have an Irish boat, it is there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's <don't> yourself. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, guys, we
3: really appreciate you coming on and that kind of wraps up the main questions we had, but um, I know we wanted to, to talk a little bit about the internship that you guys have available. Um, So, maybe I'll I'll let you guys give a little pitch for, I know you're looking for some business development interns if one of you guys wants to talk about it.
1: Yeah, um, awesome, awesome opportunity available at Mogul, right? So, we're hiring business development interns. Um, Basically, this would allow you the opportunity to work in a variety of different capacities at Mogul, not only on business development, ironically, um, with the title, but Basically the way that the business development internship is structured is you come on, you'll do an initial project, really conducting market research in whatever market you're attending school. So like if you're at University of Mississippi, you're conducting market research on great candidates for the mobile platform from a business perspective in Oxford. And then once you've done that, present your project to the team, answer any questions, things like that, then you get actually matched up directly with the sales rep on our team. And they help you to acquire those businesses and you effectively become their research analyst, helping them with you know anything that um, they may need may need help with. So it gives you direct access to the team. It gives you the ability to make a profound impact on the growth of our company. Um, and it also gives you really great sales and market research experience as well. We also have openings um, internally on like more operations, so helping with data analysis, um, presentations, strategy. And then also we have always have openings on the marketing team as well. So we just encourage everyone to use the business development intern um, job posting to apply. And then we'll have the initial interview with you and discuss where your potential could fit. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Um, and
3: where, where can people find, uh, or where, where can they like apply for this?
1: Yeah. So everything is housed on our website. So mogul, M-O-G-L online. Uh, at the bottom, there's a career section. So you can click on that and apply directly through there. Um, but then secondarily, right, any athletes, business owners, um, entrepreneurs in general, we would encourage you to sign up and learn more on our website as well. Platform's completely free to join for everyone. Um, so we, you know, especially Notre Dame athletes, if sure you guys have notre dame athlete listeners right um we've been able to facilitate hundreds of deals already for athletes throughout the country um, and we'd love to have you awesome
3: Awesome. yeah
1: it's
3: a super exciting opportunity and hopefully some of our listeners take you up on that um because you know everyone's always looking for some awesome internship experiences but uh, Aiden, Brandon, this has been fantastic. I really enjoyed learning more about the NIL space and you know what you guys have been working on. So really appreciate you taking some time to you know chat with us.
2: Thanks for having us, guys. Really appreciate it.
3: All right. That is going to conclude this
0: episode with Brandon and Aiden. Hopefully everyone enjoyed learning about Mogul and the NIL space as much as we did. If you are a student athlete, definitely go check out the platform and see what it maybe can do for you. And if you're just a student looking for an internship, we do highly recommend applying for the business development internship with Mogul. It should be a great experience. Otherwise, thank you for listening and definitely stay tuned on LinkedIn for updates on our next episode.